Welcome to the Degenerates Clubhouse, a place for less than distinguished gentlemen to discuss nonsense and fuck all tomfoolery. With your hosts Aaron and Armando. Honestly, who's going to listen to this? What a couple of stupid fucking cunts. All right, I'm excited about this week's sponsor because it's a product I actually use. This week's Degenerates Clubhouse is brought to you by Aura Ring. What's Aura Ring, you ask? Is that some sort of weird contraceptive? Uh, sort of. Aura Ring is a smart ring used to track sleep and activity. Oh, you mean like a Fitbit? No, not like a Fitbit, fucking asshole. It's If I was in line at a grocery store and a cute girl saw me wearing a Fitbit, she'd be like, oh, he's some pretentious douche. But if she saw me wearing an Aura Ring, she'd be like, wow, look at that sleek, stylish ring. But it... Is it a wedding ring? And why is it black? Did he get married when he was 13 and going through a goth phase? You know, on second thought, I don't think I want to know. This guy has the kind of like Walter White in the second season of Breaking Bad vibe. I'm going to stare at this magazine on this 10 secrets to an all goat cheese diet and try not to make eye contact. So to answer your question, is it a contraceptive device? Sort of. It uses infrared sensors for heart rate and respiration, a negative temperature coefficient sensor for body temperature, and a 3D accelerometer for movement. Who oh, fancy. And at the beginning of each day, it will give you a sleep score and a readiness score that signals your capacity to perform at your mental, emotional, and physical best. You're probably like, I know how I feel. I don't need a fucking ring to tell me. That's what I thought. But yesterday I was like, ordering, I see you gave me a readiness score of 85, but I'm really fucking tired. And ordering was like stopping a little bitch despite acting like a child and getting a sleep score barely enough, uh, good enough to pass in public school. Your resting heart rate is only 40 beats per minute and your heart rate vari- variability is optimal. Now shut the fuck up and go run in case you actually have to do this half marathon. And I was like, touche ordering. <laughs> But it's my birthday. Can't I slack off just today? And ordering was like, oh, you want to take it easy because it's your birthday? Uh, sorry, do you need another reminder that you're fighting an unwinnable battle as time drags you towards your inevitable death? And you know what? It was a little harsh, but ordering was right. I went out and I destroyed that run like Walter White with the owner of a chicken restaurant. So in summation... Ordering may not get rid of your personal demons, but at least it'll get you in shape well enough to outrun them for a little while. This podcast is not actually sponsored by Ordering, but like it, it could be Ordering. Please give us money. Like I'll make videos and, and whatever you want. Like I already have the ring. You don't even need to do much. Just give us like fifty bucks so I can say we have a real sponsor. Ordering. And and you know what? If they do give us any money, Ordering, if you're listening. Uh, Aaron and I are going to run a half marathon in about six weeks' time. So if you want to send us some R-Ring shirts, we'll gladly wear them while we run somewhere in the fucking trails of Flagstaff. We're going to discuss that more at the end of the episode, our our marathon running uh, plans. We're going to try something else. Instead of (laughs) going with the personal stuff at the beginning, we're going to try it at the end. It's going to be like when you want to get a dog to eat its its heartworm pill. We're going to wrap... our marathon running in, in the cheese of Ask Reddit and new on Netflix. So let's we're gonna, so we're gonna, we're gonna lead with with some Ask Reddit questions uh, and and the Ask Reddit questions I've heard the new on Netflix I, I haven't. So let's let's get started, Mondo. What is our first Ask Reddit question? So the first Ask Reddit question is, what stranger will you never forget? D- do you have a good one? I do. I do. 
Um, when uh, my sister was, she had just given birth to my nephew, who's the younger of her two kids. Um, I got a call like at five, six in the morning. Hey, your sister just gave birth. Um, come to the hospital so you can meet your nephew. Great. So I rushed my butt over to the hospital. And uh, I thought, you know, when when uh, when mothers have just given birth, they need to rest up a little bit. I thought, let me go get my niece and then just kind of, you know, stroll around the hospital, give my give my sister a chance to rest with my nephew or whatever as she's got got him in the room. So I <clears throat> I got my niece and we're we're walking around the hospital. I'm holding her hand and my thought was let's go get some ice cream together or whatever at the uh, the mess hall or the cafeteria or whatever of the hospital. And while we're in the elevator of this hospital, uh, I meet a uh, an older uh, black gentleman in the elevator. And uh, D- did he look and sound like Morgan Freeman? I wish he, if he did, it would make this story a million times better. But can, can we just pretend for the story that it was Morgan Freeman? I, yeah, sure. It was Morgan Freeman. That's racist. Okay. By the way, that's racist. But anyway. Um, uh, are you suggesting that all old black men aren't wise and magical like Morgan Freeman? I wish I could just. How dare you? This story. That's a, that's a positive stereotype. If I, and can, I think if I can do a Morgan Freeman impression. And then tell you what he said to me. It would be, <laughs> it would make this, this, uh, this segment a million times better. But unfortunately, I don't have the luxury of being good at impressions on the spot. Of, and that's when I told Mondo, you gotta get busy living or <laughs> get busy dying. So, <laughs> is, is that what he said to no, you? No, no, no. Damn. So anyway, we're we're in this elevator, and uh, the guy the guy starts off by asking or by telling me, hey, that's uh. You got a lovely little daughter, or or something to the effect. You got a, a, a your daughter's beautiful, or something. And I explained it. I'm like, you know, thank you, sir, but that's not my daughter. I gave him the whole spiel about how, like, I was just there to. My sister just gave birth. This is my niece. I'm just here to walk her around, give him some time, right? And uh, then he starts asking me, like, kind of, you know, rather personal questions about, like, well, why aren't you married? You know, et cetera, et cetera. So I had to give him my response and. And, you know, I told him, yeah, I'm already in my whatever 30s or whatever and still haven't met the one, et cetera, et cetera. I gave him my whole sob story. He says uh, to me, and, and and I'm, you know, I don't know exactly his exact words, but for for all intents and purposes, they were something along the lines of, don't worry, young man, you got a full life ahead of you. You look like a good uncle. Uh, and he, he proceeds to tell me how about how he's been married like two or three times and that, it wasn't until his third mar- marriage where he finally like felt like, oh shit, this is this is really the one, and uh, he said something about how, um, you know, for me the advice he he was giving me advice like, don't look for a woman that looks nice or that has a lot of whatever material things or, like, look for a woman that you can sit down and have a conversation about nothing. And you guys get along. Like, you guys just, you guys, the conversations are great. That, that's what you need to look for when you're when you're out there, you know, putting your feelers out for women. And, and uh, you know, the conversation went back and forth through the whole elevator ride. And it was a big, it was a long elevator ride, by the way. It wasn't like a little quick in and out. It, it, did, it did, at least in my mind, in my mind's eye, like the conversation lasted like a good half hour. But it probably only lasted like three or four minutes. And, and then, and then you said, to one of the nurses, like, wow, that was crazy. I had this great conversation with this 
this uh, man on the elevator, and she's like, Armando, that elevator hasn't worked for 30 years. <laughs> Dude, that would have been awesome. Like that. Oh, you mean the guy that st- that sounds like Morgan Freeman? Oh yeah, we have a ghost like that in that elevator. That would have been fucking dope. Um, but yeah, that that guy. Um, oh, oh, but if this is a Hollywood movie, it, ha- it it does have to be a little bit racist, and they make him a janitor because it's Hollywood, and he could never. <laughs> it could never have been just like a wise like black surgeon that was operating and then he died on the elevator. It would have to be a, the wise janitor that helped everyone because Hollywood, as much as you guys virtue signal, you are a little bit racist. You know what, you ma- what makes the story a little bit better is, um, and I guess to to kind of put a cap on what you're saying about the Hollywood kind of stereotype, He, if I, if I had to pinpoint the, what he looked like, he mm-hmm. looked like the, um, the golfer character in uh, Happy Gilmore. <laughs> the, guy, the guy that Tubbs? Tubbs. He looked like Tubbs. He had the fucking little bolo hat or whatever you want to call it. He had like the like the vest, whatever, like the whatever looking um old man, old timey vest and some yeah. nice slacks. So like he did he did look like Tubbs. He at least in my mind he he did um look like Tubbs from Happy Gilmore. That's the stranger okay. that stands out for me that I met. I'll never forget him because, you know, it happened at a weird time and it made me feel optimistic, like he, like he had, he had been married a couple of times, and he was still hanging in there, and he was still, he still felt the way he felt with, uh, with his at that time then current wife. So he was a wise, if not magical, black man yeah. that gave you life advice for sure. You, you were you were blessed from from, uh, you know, and again in my mind, a, a Morgan Freeman looked like it probably was Morgan Freeman, and he just <laughs> it took a. He took on a, a different form because if if it what he appeared in his natural form, you'd have been so fixated on the fact that oh my god, Morgan Freeman's talking to me that you wouldn't have heard the advice. Better that's it, what I think better, happened. Better it have been Morgan Freeman and not like Sam Jackson. Can you imagine like it's, it's more like a Samuel Jackson type guy? And I met in the elevator, like motherfucker, you just can't settle for the first bitch you fuck. You gotta <laughs> it was something like that. I don't know. Sorry, Sam uh, Jackson. That was a horrible impersonation of you. I will I will give you a story uh, about an older gentleman that also gave me advice. He was not he was not black. He was definitely an older, <laughs> probably wealthy white gentleman uh, who let's call him Luke. I don't rem- I don't know what his actual name was, uh, but he he kind of had a Luke vibe to it. Like like you know like he grew up and his parents had money and he was used to that. But I encountered him in the Vale Valley Medical Center. Uh, so this is in Vale, Colorado, which is definitely a a ritzy sort of rich area and but i was there to get hip surgery um and it was it was the second surgery i'd had and the, f- the first surgery i ever had was knee surgery and i remember that was when i was younger i was very stressed about it it's like what's gonna what's gonna happen could things go wrong you know i'm gonna have to really push through recovery uh you know I don't, what about painkillers it was like all this like sort of stress that i had and i was approaching the second surgery similarly like I had a lot of that, that sort of same stress and anxiety about it, particularly because that knee surgery was not fun. I don't think most people have, have had fun uh, having knee surgeries, but I, to me, I was like, oh, my God, this is life changing. I'm, I'm apparently not invincible. Holy shit. And b- both of us uh, were in the same prep room and they're asking Luke about his, his uh, tolerance to to. Uh, medication and if he's ever had any complications with anesthesia and he's like no 
anesthesia is great. Give me all of them. Could you guys just like make a cocktail uh, in case I want to take it home for the road? And I was like, how's this guy so fucking calm about everything? He he was just like the the most relaxed, like chill. And I even asked him. We're still, you know, we're waiting for for the nurses to come back uh, and and put us under. And I was like, I was like, man, I've had surgery before, but you seem super calm. He's like, yeah, I've had a bunch of surgeries. I'm gonna I'm gonna get this surgery. I'm gonna go back out on the ski slopes. I'll do something stupid. I'll be I'll be back in here. It just is what it is. Like no big deal. I'm gonna get all the anesthetic and, and painkillers they can give me and and i'll get through this and i'm gonna go back out on the slopes and have some fun and i was like holy crap like that mindset was so so foreign to me and then i was doubly fortunate to have uh have luke in in the recovery bed because it, it isn't it's it's an outpatient surgery but you know, when I woke up, they keep you there for quite a while. I mean, I think they did the surgery in the morning, and I didn't get discharged until night. So he's in the recovery, and he's that guy was just as right as rain after surgery. I'm I'm feeling sick. I'm vomiting. I'm you know trying to apologize. Like, dude, I'm sorry you have to hear this. He's like, he's like, what? Like sometimes you have to vomit. It's no big deal. And he didn't give me quite as direct advice as uh, the gentleman from your story. But I just remember thinking, like, hmm, I guess there's some things in life that you can't fight. You you really can't battle with. It's just it's just gonna be what it's gonna be. Uh, you know, regardless, of maybe it's something stupid like being stuck stuck in traffic. But like you getting tense about it isn't gonna make it better. It's not gonna make you get through it quicker. And really, the best path is to take this this sort of. Uh, roll with the punches attitude that Luke had and just be as chill as you can about it. And it's going to suck, but getting through it is going to suck way, way less if you can release some of that stress and anxiety and just accept it for what it is. So I will always remember um, my time in Vail Valley Medical Center uh, and this, this sort of supernatural calm, at least it felt like that to me, that uh, old man Luke had. Would you say the guy was cool? He 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 was very cool, and he also he was actually getting uh, an operation on his shoulder, and I was like, good because he's got like a really um, well-defined masculine hands, and <laughs> I want him to be able to like move his hand, his shoulder, his arms around. So I was like, man, like Luke, you got a cool hand. <laughs> That's what I told him. That's what I was getting at. Good, good, you. Cu- Good you cut on to that, sir. You, we're on the same page. We're on the same page there. Um, that is a super old movie that the younger kids definitely have not seen. No, no. But I think it might be worth it because there's one scene where it was just that that is famous and has been parodied. Parodied. It has been a parody in many television shows and, and things where uh, Cool Hand Luke, who, who's in sort of like a, a little penal colony, um, a prison complex, if we, if you will is getting the ship uh, kicked out of him, and he just will not stay down and keeps getting up. And they're like, stay down, Luke. And that, that comes up a lot. It's a pretty badass scene. Cool hand, Luke. Movie, though. Cool hand, Luke. Go watch it. Highly recommended. Um, some of the answers on Reddit to that question is, uh, my lost wallet was a return in the mail. I, that doesn't really answer the question, Reddit. That's a terrible answer. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, I guess they'll re- they're, they're going to remember they're getting their wallet, but they, so they, it's in the mail. They never met the stranger. Right. Uh, a, I think you don't know what a stranger is, yeah, sir or ma'am, yeah, who wrote that answer. Yeah, dumb Redditor. Anyway, 
Another answer that was given was, I was in the laundry room with my dog, and an old man with his dog approached. Our, our pets met, and the man said, When Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself, only the dogs understood it. After that, we had a small chat, then he, then he leaved. Another beautiful grammatical um, example of Reddit. Then he leaved, and I have never seen him again. Wow. All right, Reddit, cool. Uh, another example, uh, a little old Jamaican man came into work and gave me a rosary. He doesn't know me, but he told me he thought I could do with his prayers. I'm agnostic, but I put that rosary on my name badge, and when it, when times are hard and customers are abusive, I play with it. It doesn't remind me that God is watching over me, but it does remind me that there is some good left in humanity. That's a cool one. I like that. Ooh. Why are all the strangers that people never uh, will never forget? Why are they all old men? Because old men are fucking smart and they're sages. Why? Hey, why? Hey, I got a question for you. Why are they ne- never old women? I know that's why I just asked. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess tomato, tomato. Um, you, you know, you know why though? This is probably part of it because uh, women in general and probably old women, maybe a little bit less, but women are not nearly as likely to just go out and offer advice to a stranger. Women are like, well, this person might like kill me or I'm going to, you know, just keep in my lane and, uh, not make eye contact because, uh, just like in my new, my, uh, brought to you by segment, uh, sometimes guys have some, you know, Walter White in second season of Breaking <laughs> Bad energy, and women are like, yeah, well, we're going we're to steer clear of this, this random guy in an elevator. All right, so that was, that was a good, I thought a good Ask Reddit question and some funny answers online. Um, are you ready for Ask Reddit question number two? I'm ready. The question is, if you could see one statistic displayed on every person's head, what would you want it to be? Ooh, that's a good one. You have a yeah. I have an answer, I guess. Um, okay, go go ahead. Why do you have one hot and ready? Are you hot? Are you hot with the response? I'll let you go first. Sort of. Okay. <laughs> there's there's a lot of sort of that I'm throwing out in this uh, week's episode, but I can tell you the first thing I thought of. And then I can tell you why I decided, oh, maybe that's not a good idea. Because uh, you know in those stories with, where people ask for wishes and then the, the wish always sort of gets twisted around. They're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't think this through. That was, this is the dilemma I had. And the first thing that came uh, to my head is I just wanted a number. And that number would be how, how many like kids that person molested. Oh. So if, if there was a child molester, you could just beat the shit out of them. Whoa. Like – or you could just know, like, this motherfucker's in my neighborhood. Like, that's that's one of the absolute worst, lowest things a person can do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that that number should be something that they fucking have to live with for the rest of their lives and have everybody know. That right? Yeah, that's a good one. That's that's kind of dark. But, but but here's the problem. Okay. Here's the problem. If we're if we're in some sort of twisted monkey's paw scenario, and I didn't fully think that through. I think technically the number above my head could be one. Oh, 
whoa. <laughs> yeah. So, so okay. J- just, j- well, I'm going to tell the story, right. and I'm going to preface it with remember <laughs> that I, I need you, Armando, and I need anyone listening to remember that I am essentially a good person, okay. and you're on my side. All right. I, I, okay. All right. So, so, so immediately I can make this story a little bit worse where – uh, so I'm, th- I'm, th- I'm probably talking about a 12 year old girl and I was also 12 at the time okay. and it was by accident. <laughs> um, and, and this, so this is what happened. And, uh, I remember it was, it was sometime in middle school. So it was, it was probably sixth or seventh grade. I would guess sixth grade. Uh, and it, it was towards the end of the year. It was in spring. I think it was that point of the year where all the teachers just do not give a fuck anymore. They're like, we just don't want to deal with the kids. We're just going to get them outside of the the building and the classrooms. And they put together this sort of like little middle school Olympics. So there was some running events and there were games and you would compete. It was fun, right? And I remember we were, I don't remember what the event, but we're doing some sort of event. And uh, both myself and this girl in our, in our class named Jenny were sort of jockeying for, I'm like, oh, I want to go next. She's like, no, I'm next, whatever. And I was like, oh, this is like, fun we're you know we're kind of have a little back and forth like this is great we're outside i'm just in a good mood and i was like no no it's my turn jenny and then she like runs in front of me and she puts her 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 like arms like straight out like she's a crossing guard and i'm behind you know i'm behind her so i can't pass and i thought i'm like oh we're just like we're playing around we're messing around in my head i'm like okay i'm just gonna like i'll I'll just pick her up Uh, you know i'm just gonna reach under her arms I'll, i'll pick her up and i'm gonna put her behind me and yeah, at that point, I've been wrestling for several years. I knew I was strong enough to pick her up. And I'm like, this is going to be no big deal. And I go to do that. And she's just like, yell. She's like, ah, ah, and like runs away. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I get to go next. I don't, what the fuck was that all about? That was weird. Later in the day, like very, very serious, she comes to me with a friend of hers, like for backup. And they go to me like, like, I just want you to know, like, that was not okay. Like, I'm very upset with what you did. Don't. Don't ever do that again. And I, I was just like, I feel like this was a real overreaction to trying to go ahead of her in line. But like, oh, okay. Like, I was just like, all right. And that was it. And I remember though, all through through middle school and even into high school, like she was always very testy with me. And I was like, what the fuck is her problem? And I remember years later, I think probably in college, I was watching the Olympics and that memory pops into my head. And I'm, I'm replaying all of it through the, the lens of being in sixth grade and that happening. I'm like, yeah, what the fuck was her problem? All I did was I was standing behind her and then I reached under her arms and I kind of like grabbed her around her torso. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what did I do? Now, okay, you said and you I, were 12 in, in the story. You were 12? It, it was six, sixth or seventh grade. Okay, so... I don't remember how. She, so, so maybe it was 11. So... To the best of your memory, uh, I know you were, you know, naive and young and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed back then. But mm-hmm. the, did she have like little bee stings, or did she have like mature woman? Bosoms? No, not at all. I not that I was aware of at all. <laughs> okay, so I'll say like it, it, it probably would have made more sense if she had like big, full-grown woman bosoms, and you would have known a lot sooner rather than later. Like, oh shit, my bad. But if she had like Nothing going on, then I could see how, I could see how it could be forgiven or forgotten and forgiven. That was also where I was definitely young enough where I was not sexually active at all. Like I didn't think about the world in those terms yet. I I just was not plugged into that frequency. I definitely 
knew what sex was, but that was not on my radar at all. So I wasn't thinking in terms of that. And yeah, she, she had not physically developed at that point. So yeah, mom, if you're out there, uh, Jenny, was it Jenny? Dude, I literally tried to look her oh. up cause I, I wanted, <laughs> I, I'm like, I don't know if this would feel be better, but I definitely, I wanted to apologize. I'm like, Oh fuck, that was terrible. Not even to say, Oh, it wasn't my fault. I didn't just be like, wow. I did not realize what I had done. I'm really sorry. I'm sorry for however, like that must've made you feel. I could not, I still can't, could not find her on any social media. And I'm like trying to look up like, Oh, did she get married and change her name? And I got, it got to the point where it was like, I'd, f- there was like an article about a company she was working for. And I'm like, wow, now it's like cyber stalking her. This is getting even creepier than the original story. I'm just going to have to live with the shame and cut it off. Could you imagine if she's out there in the real world and she's like, uh, like Steve Buscemi's character in, uh, Billy Madison. She's got like, uh, Again, Billy Madison, another Adam Sandler, fine, great movie. If she's out there like Steve Buscemi's character, like putting red lipstick on with your name on like a checklist, and she's like got a shotgun locked and loaded, and but at least you put it out there, so if she is listening, she will remove your name from that. I'm gonna assassinate you list. Now, based on just how well she handled that as a kid, even though I didn't understand what was happening, like she did an incredible job handling that as a sixth or seventh grader yeah, to yeah. like pull me aside and say that wasn't okay. Like every, so she, she clearly had her head screwed on better than I did at that time. And then <laughs> again, I got far enough in my, uh, my well-intentioned cyber stalking to find out what she did for a living. So I'm like, I don't think she's harboring that kind of grudge, but I, I'm, very certain that when all the Me Too stuff came up, she's probably like, God, that fucking asshole Aaron like molested me when I was a kid. And she probably holds on to that. I don't know if it would make her feel better to hear me apologize, but it's like <laughs> that was something that I if if apologizing or doing whatever I could do would, would make her feel less shitty about what happened, I would definitely do it because I was like, that was really not my intention. And all that being said... I do not know if that is is enough where I'd have to walk around uh, life with a one over my head. And in in this this monkey's paw situation, I just fuck myself. Maybe it's a decimal for you in your case. Maybe it's like a point point, (laughs) point zero two point zero two seven or something like that. That's Um, almost worse. If someone looking at that be like, oh, my God, what did he do? (laughs) How do you get a point zero two seven on the the, on the the rape scale thing? That's weird. and then you have to go and tell them the entire story. And anyway, um, my my answer when I read the question was, if I can see, I guess a statistic. I thought of it in terms of like a meter, and it would be like, are you telling the truth, right? So where like the the, the zero would be like completely honest, and then like like the like if you imagine like a scale of one to ten, like the ten scale would be like, oh, this guy's fucking bullshit. He's lying, complete boldface lying. Like I would want a meter like that so that when you talk to people, um, and they're giving you an answer, you can tell whether they're full of shit or not, or if they're telling you the truth or not. Um, there's been many times like, or like I'm at work or like not not at work shit. I don't have a job by the way. Again, once again to all of our degenerate land, get me a job. Anyway, like I I can recall like various times where I'm like with my former employer and i'm talking to my supervisor my manager and i'm giving him like i'm i'm asking him something or whatever and i i know because i knew him well enough i knew that the bullshit meter was like 
going way far to the right, like like danger, danger. Will Robinson, he's he's lying to you right now. Like I knew that because because I knew him, but there are certainly some people like I like like uh, I I can't g- gauge enough um, whether they're being honest or not. And I think I think if if we had that meter, like uh, we I think we'd all be better for uh, like like the world would be better, right? I think that we would all be able to like get along with each other and like have a better understanding whether or not like we're we're being honest with each other or we're just we're just like telling little white lies like okay i can forgive someone getting you know i'm asking them something and the the, the scale goes to like a three i'll be like okay they're telling a little white lie but it's no biggie you know but uh that's that's what i thought uh some of the other uh reddit answers to that question were total number of people killed <laughs> and so i read the chain on reddit <clears throat> And then it gives an opportunity for other redditors to respond to that answer. So yeah. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read the thread the way it came out for that answer. So the first, the first response was total number of people killed. Someone replied to that, "You just see a bunch of zeros until you visit your grandma." <laughs> I, I thought I thought that would be funny. Yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, the, then you could also play a, a weird game called "Is this person a war hero or a serial killer?" Funny like, you say that. Funny you say that because the next response to that was, and that nice old man you greet at the grocery store has a whopping 16 over his head because he served in Nam. <laughs> uh, while walking through the grocery store, you see someone's counter go up. <laughs> yeah, but, but again, it could be, oh, that, that, that would be super fucked up. Like you walk in, then they have a zero, and then they walk out, they have a one. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> But I'm saying the, the flip side could happen too. You see like the nice old man at the grocery store and he's got a 16 over his head and you're like, wow, sir, I just want to thank you for your service for our country. And then little do you know, he has like a torture basement where he's just destroyed like oh, multiple shit. people's lives. Like he, that, that one is very misleading. That's why like, like in mine, I was like, yeah, there's no scenario that someone could be a child you know lester and that would be okay and again even in that one i found oh maybe there's a little bit more nuance than i thought of the the killing one that that could be very misleading uh another good response to that question on reddit was an indication of how sad and or happy they are it would probably save a lot of lives i think well, i thought that, that, that was would a, be a good one yeah that was a good answer cuz you know the whole thing with um with suicide is Sometimes they're like we we miss we miss signals or we miss like the person that you know takes their own life like maybe they did leave out breadcrumbs and and everyone else misses them you know and like just and then it's always like hindsight we're like oh shit I missed that signal or I missed because I think about when, with that answer particular I think of like um, our Lancer brother um, I don't want to go too far into it but like our Lancer brother Ian Crom uh, took his own life you know. Uh, a while, long while ago, and uh, you know, a lot of us that were close, closer to him, like, I think that was a sentiment. Like, we all kind of felt like, obviously, hindsight being what it is, we all felt like we missed those breadcrumbs. So that, you know, that that kind of uh, sad, happy indicator would be be kind of pretty cool. Sorry, I, to- I think that might be even cool just for yourself, because sometimes. Yeah. You're not really aware of how bad you're feeling. You might think you're doing okay. You're like, yeah, I'm in a little bit of a rut. And then you look at your meter and you're like, holy fuck, I'm at a 23 out of 100. No, it's not that bad. And you and then you step back. It's like, well, 
I am crying myself to sleep at night, and I'm taking hour-long baths just staring at the ceiling. I guess maybe those are some warning signs, like, fuck, maybe I'm worse off than I thought. And, and just, guys, I, I just I made those up on the spot. They're not based on anything reality. Fuck right. I was about to say, I am furiously masturbating 17 times more than usual. That might be... No, you know what? That And that, like, it makes me think of, like, your aura ring. Speaking of aura ring, as our sponsor, like, that would be kind of, you know... Uh, <laughs> It, well, it kind of does do that in a way. I mean, it tells you. I, I really. I. I mean, I was obviously making fun of it. I really thought there was no way I was going to be able to go out and do this run, and the ring was like, "No, you're fine." I'm like, "I'm really tired. I'm going to drag. Like, this is going to be terrible." And I felt awesome yesterday. Um, but we, again, we get into more, more, more on the the marathoning uh, at the end of the episode. So, uh, an, uh, uh, and this is the last response, or the last, uh, yeah, the last response on Reddit I'll give before we move on to the next segment. Um, when I was a teen, I thought about this. and At the time, I thought it would be great if I could tell if someone was attracted to me. I don't give two shits about that today. But that'd be kind of cool to have, like, a meter or, like, a scale of, like, you know, especially for guys, right? You're trying to ask a girl out, like, but you know, like, okay. Because I, dude, I, I'll tell you, for example, yes. I am horrible, horrible, horrible about, like, gauging whether or not a, a like, I miss those cues. When when a, when a woman is interested in me, I'm, I'm the, I completely, I'm horrible about, like, I miss all the, whatever, um, physical cues that they may give off. Yeah, that's why I was laughing. I'm like, yeah, you could have some magical number over their head, or you could just learn to read body language because yeah. they'll they'll tell you. They're not usually verbally. They're not gonna be like, oh, I think you're so hot. And if they do come out and say that when you first met, you need to run away because they're probably a little unhinged and they definitely have daddy issues. <laughs> but most girls will give you plenty of indications, and if you can just learn to read body language, it is all there out in the open. And at 40 years old, Aaron, I'm embarrassed to say I, I probably miss, I'm guessing, at least 75% of them. I mean, like, as sad as it sounds, like, if a woman's into me, she probably literally has to grab me by the junk and say, hey, I like you, for me to kind of like, oh, she likes me. Like, I, I'm just, you know, there are a few cues here and they're like, oh, wait a minute, maybe, maybe, maybe she's attracted to me. But I know I tend to miss a lot of those. Like, a lot of times, like... A friend of hers has to tell me, oh, by the way, she likes you. Or, like, a buddy of mine, oh, dude, you know, she's into you. Like, I just, I'm dumb like that, even at 40. I, so I'm not, I'm not trying to make myself out as a, a master of body language interpretation or anything like that. Let me just give you a few of the very simple ones that I, even I can pick up on. Uh, so first is proximity. Like, women aren't usually comfortable being close to you so if a, if a girl is just intentionally putting herself in a, a position where she's in close proximity to you that usually means that she's comfortable to you and that often they will do that when they're attracted to you if it's if it's that sort of setting like obviously if it's a friend of yours or something like that that someone you've known for a long time another one is um if their their body language it's like a forward leaning body language if if what? They're say, kind that of, more, say that one more time if if they're leaning forward oh, okay, towards gotcha. you yeah yeah that, that's even a bigger one than the proximity. Um, you know, if they're uncomfortable, they're going to be leaning away from you. And and a lot usually it's going to be neutral. If they're leaning forward towards you, that's a big one. And on that note, like, if you get the trifecta, if they're close to you, they're leaning towards you, and they're mirroring. So, mirroring? Um, yeah, a lot of times, I don't know if this is subconscious or, or not, but if 
a, a woman is like really engaged with you, like you might have like your your left hand up on the table, and then she'll have her right hand up on the table in the same way. Like you might have like your your leg in a certain position, and she has the opposite mirroring leg. Like they will actually kind of adopt your your stance and uh, your posture because women are much more empathetic and plugged into body language. And I don't think that's something that they do consciously, but it's a very good sign if they're mirroring your body language. Here, Here's one where, where, again, I don't know if this is true or not, but this is one that like, at least in my mind, I've, I've thought that this is probably true. Like a, a signal that women may give off. And I, again, I don't know if it's true, but I think if you're talking to them and they start like playing with their hair, as you're talking to them, like they're listening intently, but they start looking at you or whatever, and they're playing with their hair while they're doing while they're, while they're listening. I think that might be a cue. I, again, I could be wrong, but I've noticed like sometimes where I'm, I'm obviously like kind of trying to flirt with a girl or whatever, and and like she's like listening to me, and she starts kind of like playing, teasing around with her hair. I'm like, oh okay, yeah, she's she's at least at least somewhat interested. There's a little bit of interest. Again, I could be wrong. I don't think that's wrong. I think that would be more helpful for uh, any 16-year-old listeners we might have. Um, um, again, I'm, again, I'm dumb. So maybe I, I, I learned this like in my probably mid-30s. So I'm, I'm, I'm slow, lady. Sorry. If, if, if you're into me, I'm sorry I'm not. <laughs> I'm not keen to those cues. I apologize. Um, and that was good. Those were good Reddit questions, I, I think. Um, they were for sure. Um, but let's move on okay. to new on Netflix, the segment where Armando gives me a fictional Netflix title, and then we've got to come up with it on the spot. Most, mostly me, but Armando, again, I'm going to, uh, encourage you to chime in if, if I'm describing some scenario and you want to ask questions about one of the characters, whatever, please take full license. Cause I, I actually have more fun in this segment when it's a little bit more interactive and not me on a, a weird rambling like 10 minute monologue no I, and uh so yeah the, the hey aaron <laughs> yes yes armando <laughs> apropos of nothing what's up <laughs> right <laughs> have you seen the the new real life action movie on netflix called beavis and butthead the midlife crisis years <laughs> i i did it's it's really good. Um, they've got Dak Shepard to play Beavis, and he really he really gives off that like kind of Beavis Golden Retriever sort of energy. Because that was the that was the weird part about that show, you know, in the cartoon. Like Beavis essentially was a good person. He's just the, he's just the dog with his, its tail wagging, and when its owner, you know, is like, "Hey, you know, beautiful uh, heartwarming Golden Retriever." Go chew on this this thing that happens to be someone else's shoe that they need to wear and they just set aside because they're trying to not fuck up your house. He would go do it. So like Dak Shepard really like captures that energy for me. And then I still am a little bit conflicted about this casting, but they got Charlie Sheen to play Butthead. Um, <laughs> and like it, it was a little bit over overboard because uh, Charlie Sheen has had a problematic past. I mean, I think it, it's nice that they gave him this sort of chance at redemption, but they're hoping for a, a Robert Downey Jr. turnaround. And I'm like, guys, I don't think you're going to get it. <laughs> but on the flip, he's not trying to play a, a hero and uh, a savior of humanity like Iron Man. He's trying to play 
a middle-aged fucking delinquent who was a shitty teenager. So I was like, you know what? Maybe the casting agents were, were wiser than I thought. So it's uh, it, it, the, the premise starts out where it, it's um, Dak Shepard and Charlie Sheen playing Beavis and Butthead, and they are they're still uh, living in their parents' basement. And the whole premise of this is they want to get their own place. Um, but they took this weird live action. I thought it would have worked better as a comedy, right? But they kind of, what they do is instead of making it like just a straight comedy, they take like a John Wick sort of twist on it of like the, oh, anyone can be an action hero. And they're, they're going around, tr- you know, trying to, to look at cheap apartments that they could find. And one of the apartments is owned by a, uh, by like a slumlord who's like big, big in the, the Russian mafia. They have connections. I was like, guys, this is a little bit too on the nose. Like you're just fucking copying John Wick with, <laughs> with Beavis and Butthead. And so any, anyhow, they, they're, they're, they're trying to, to apply to, to this sort of slum apartment that's owned by this Russian mafia lord. And they're, they're, they're two losers. They're unemployed. They don't have a steady income, obviously. They don't have a deposit. And the guy just is like, laughs, laughs you off. Like, ah, you two fucking American chickens. You can't stay in our shitty apartment. You, you can sleep on the curb. And we call for the exterminators to come and take you away. And it's like... I'm like, that's probably you probably could have come up with better dialogue, but whatever. So, sorry like, to sorry to ask interrupt and ask your yeah. question, but I forget because I I'm bad with actors' names, but which actor played the Russian mafia gangster guy? It was John Malkovich. Like, that's <laughs> such a waste. He's such a good actor and he could have played anything and you've got him playing a shitty a shitty Russian gangster and giving him terrible dialogue, but he just pulled it off. I mean, he he could. Because you remember uh, that that movie Con Air? Okay, I, I was thinking Rounders, but okay, Con Air. He does Russians in both. <laughs> no, no, he wasn't a Russian. He was playing. He was playing. Was it Cyrus the Virus? Oh that yeah, movie yeah, yeah. Was absolutely bananas, and it made no sense. And somehow John Malkovich was still an amazing villain. So I think that's what they were thinking. They're like, wow, we need someone to fucking save the script. So we're going to have John Malkovich be like the big bad. And he does a great job. I mean, his, his Russian accent was a lot more menacing and uh, terrifying than mine, for sure. Uh, that's why they, they got John Malkovich and they didn't call me to, to, to play the, the bad guy in this movie. So anyhow, um, he, he, kicks him, he kicks him out of the apartment building and... Uh, Charlie Sheen and, and Dak Shepard are, are just like pissed off. So what they do is <laughs> he le- he leaves his his car door unlocked, um, and and they open it up and they they just pee and shit in his car. Like Beavis, uh, Charlie Sheen takes a big dump right on the driver's side seat, and Beavis pee over it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, okay, good. This has turned a little bit more comedy. These are like Beavis and Butthead antics. And then, of course, uh, it, it turns John Wick dark or because it has to be an action movie. They have, to, they have to give Beavis and Butthead the impetus for revenge. And he just like in, in John Wick, they, they track him down. They follow him back to their house and they just blow up their house and they kill uh, Beavis's mom. 
It's just like, like guys, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> this, is, this, was, this was a not a proportional act of retribution. Like, you can't just kill Beavis's mom. She was an innocent in all this. She's letting fucking Beavis and his asshole friend Charlie Sheen live in the basement. Like, this is terrible. And then, of course, this this sends um, uh, Beavis and Butthead in, into a furious phase of revenge. And you find out this whole time that... They they've been stockpiling weapons, which you again you would not be shocked if you think about this sort of progression and track they were on in the cartoons. You're like, yeah, they're up to they're up to no good. They're they're uh, engaging in hijinks and mischief. This is going to keep progressing and getting worse and worse. And this whole time they've just been going to uh, these firearm shows and exploiting the the uh, gun show loophole. Um, and that, that is something that is hotly contested in American politics right now. There's a gun show loophole where you can get firearms without having full background checks. And this whole time they've been doing it. So they've got a complete arsenal. Except the other problem is they're, they're fucking idiots and they're not trained like John Wick. So they, they go on this, this John Wick-like rampage, but they're not highly trained assassins. And there's all kinds of like friendly fire. There's a lot of mishaps that I think the intention of the, the movie was for it to be funny. And I'm like, no, you, you just killed someone, you assholes. When, when it's a generic uh, thug in the Russian mafia, in John Wick, you can be like, okay, like they had it coming, they killed the puppy. I mean, if, if you kill a puppy, then anything that comes back your way is licensed, right? It doesn't matter what. But they didn't have the setup quite as well in Beavis and Butthead. So these, these like unintentional comedy killings are not particularly funny. And I, I, that was sort of a low point of the movie for me. But they do manage to, to break into John Malkovich's stronghold, and they take out a lot of the, the Russian mafia bad guys in revenge of, uh, of Beavis's mom. And there's, there's a, the big standoff, the shoot-off between Charlie Sheen, Dak Shepard, and John Malkovich. And the, the, the best part of it is John Malkovich actually kills Charlie Sheen. And I'm like, that's... Oh, that, no. That's warranted. I'm like, no, you know what? <laughs> spoiler alert. Spoiler I think the alert. world would probably be better without Butthead in the picture. And the world would definitely be better without Charlie Sheen in the picture. So I was not upset when that happened at all. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, good. Like, good job, movie. You got one thing right. And then Dak Shepard as Beavis is, like, holding Charlie Sheen's corpse. And he does one of those, like, 360 turns while he's still holding the body and just no-scopes snipes <laughs> John Malkovich in the temple. Um, and then and he's just like, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> and, and, and the the best part of it, though, this is this is what you learn, is is they, they killed Be- Beavis's mom by exploding the house. And... What was what was lost in the explosion was uh, there was a note that Beavis's mom had left that she was just going out of town to see her sister for the weekend, and she <laughs> wasn't even in the house when it when it got exploded. And like when Beavis comes back at the end of the movie, he's all bloody. He's like holding. He's got uh, butthead's like corpse over his shoulder, and his mom is just there. He's like, "Oh my! It looks like we both had a weekend." <laughs> Jesus. So. I guess good show though. How well, many bananas on Rotten Bananas? Oh, it was it be? was ninety seven percent bananas. But I I would not recommend <laughs> this movie. I <laughs> I uh, I see what they're going for. I applaud them for trying something new. 
but I don't think the blend between comedy and just raw John Wick murder quite worked. And uh, I really, I really hope the silver lining is this movie is going to be a commercial flop and it does not lead to a resurgence of Charlie Sheen. <laughs> yeah, that was a good show. I enjoyed it. Anyway, the uh, the real show um, again, <clears throat> not on. This one's not on Netflix, and I think you actually were the one to recommend it to me mm-hmm. um, off air previously, because um, I caught it. I it was hard to find. Uh, called the Watch on uh, on BBC. I think it's BBC. So in other words, it's not available to us in the U.S., but you got to kind of use the internet some way some shape some form you have to surf the seven seas you have to surf the seven seas and i and this show the watch um i'm for, i'm i'm forgetting the character's name but the actor that plays like the lead is um the same actor that played uh beric don beric dondarian in uh, the game of thrones so anyone that's familiar with game of thrones um beric dondarian's character was the guy with the flaming sword with the with the eye patch, the guy that they keep bringing back to life, he dies and they resurrect him, et cetera, et cetera. That act actor um, is the lead actor in The Watch, except for The Watch is a comedic kind of, uh, kind of like The Watchmen in some respects, but not. It, the Watchmen was more like darker and serious. Like The Watch is a completely like funny and has different characters. And uh, have you heard about the show at all? I, I have not. Um, I'm just reading the synopsis right now. Uh, so I wonder who it was. That rec- I thought it was you that recommended it. At first, I thought it was Greg Davison that recommended it. And then it wasn't him because I talked to him yesterday. And then I'm bringing it up and I'm telling you about it. I'm wondering I'm wondering who the hell. Well, can, can I just the read show? the quick synopsis? Sure. This, this is interesting. Sure. I'm, I'm actually familiar with the source material. It's, it's, I think, loosely based on, but it says the series is inspired by the. Uh, Ankmore Pork City Watch from the Discworld series of fantasy novels by Terry Pratchett set in the Discworld, uh, Discworld principal city of Ankermore. The Watch is a fantasy police procedural television program uh, from the Discworld series. Wow, that was a very repetitive uh, description, yeah. Wikipedia. Right. But uh, yeah, I, I have read, I think, one of the, the Discworld books, and it is very silly. It's sort of like if you take Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and cross it with J.R. Tolkien, and yeah. that that would be my, my, my short way to explain it. So I haven't read that book in the Discworld series, but that, to me, would actually be a lot more enjoyable on television because... I remember when I was reading the Discworld book, I was like, okay, there's enough gags. Like, can we get, can we get to the actual story? Like, this is a little bit distracting. But I think on a, in a television se- series, I could see that being super entertaining. Yeah, I'm unfamiliar with the books. Um, I'm glad you are aware of them. I didn't know that. I, I'm, I just wish I remember who the hell told me about it. But anyway, um, it's on BBC. Uh, they just, like, as of January, whatever, 1st, 2021... They, re- they started releasing a, a, an episode weekly every Sunday. Um, so they're only about four or five episodes in on the whatever eight episode or the eight episode inaugural season. Um, I'm caught up with it and I'm I'm entertained. The, the tough part for me, and it's because I'm American, I'm not from a great old um, uh, Europe is they have the they have they do have a little bit of a European accent. So I have to watch it with subtitles to get like some of the jokes here and there. But a lot of it I don't. I just I'm I'm just kind of dumb with accents, but um it's a funny show. I like it so far. Um 
uh, a lot of good little gags here and there. And 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 that actor, that guy that plays Beric Dondarrion, the lead guy in this show, The Watch, phenomenal actor. And he does it. Surprisingly, he's just as good of an actor doing the comedic role. Um, again, Beric Dondarrion's character is very gruff, very kind of more serious. It's a it's a drama. In this one, he's fucking funny as shit. He's like, he reminds me kind of like a, like a pirate, kind of like uh, um, Pirates of the Caribbean, Johnny Depp, like kind of like swashbuckler, kind of with a hitch, and I don't know. It's funny. Watch it if you're out there in, in uh, degenerate land. Is he vaguely drunk and gay? He's almost always drunk and or trying to get drunk. Like he, <laughs> like that's one of the things about his character is he is like a drunk. That was one of the, the most charming parts of Johnny Depp's character. I mean, yeah, he was always drunk, and but there was also just a hint of uh, just a little little gay. He was a little little um, what's the word for it? Like Faye, I think. Yeah. No, he's not. His character is not Faye. There, there is like a hints that he's got a. I don't want to give too many spoilers, but there is somewhat of a, like a running like there might be a love interest with a with a female. That's all I'm gonna say. Oh, okay. Um, I'm gonna check that so, out for sure. Um. If you can find it, I mean, I'm I'm lucky oh, that I I can I can find it. Yeah, yeah, I, I know you can, I, and I I'm know not, I can. I'm not Jack Sparrow <laughs> level, but I I can surf the seven seas. I'm a pirate Arr. in my own right, Mondo. Uh, and just can I, can I can I tag one more uh, upcoming movie onto this just to put this on people's radars? Um, sure. Because when you when you said that the movie I should describe should be a live action movie. I heard it as it's a live comma action movie. And and then like halfway through me describing it, I was like, oh, he said live action. Fuck. Okay, why? Well, <laughs> this is really awkward that I've tried to make Beavis and Butthead's movie yeah, okay, an action okay. movie. But a part of what I was thinking about at the time is there, there's a movie coming out called Nobody. And it's by it is by the same guys who uh, did the John Wick films. And it seems very similar, but instead of you know, a dark and moody Keanu Reeves. It is Bob Odenkirk uh, from Mr. Show with Bob and Dave. And I think probably most people would know him as Saul from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. And basically they're, they've, <laughs> they're, they're going to try to make Bob Odenkirk into an action hero. And I think the premise is that he, he was some sort of, you know, either, I don't know if he was a contract killer or he was like special ops for the army or something along those lines, but he's, he's left that life behind and he's a family man now. And similar to uh, Keanu Reeves character in John Wick, who I believe was named John Wick, um, Mm. he gets kind of dragged back into it. And it seems like it has some more comedic elements than John Wick did, but I'm, I'm just very interested to see how that turns out. Uh, because Bob Odenkirk's a great actor, and getting to see him in that role will be really interesting. And if this is a good movie and it's a commercial success, I'm just going to be really excited because a lot of those those tropes and weird, you know, the, those sort of set castings, I think, are going to be broken. I mean, when K- Chris Pratt got cast to be the lead in a Marvel movie, I think right there people were like, "Oh fuck!" Like you can do that, and that broke down a lot of doors. But if Bob, o- Bob Odenkirk can be a a bona fide action star that will make things very interesting in movies to come. So uh, I would just put the movie Nobody uh, coming out sometime in 2021 on your radar. Noted, noted. I will listen back to this recording and write it down and wait for it with some anticipation. Um, 
where where are we going to next, Captain? My Captain, because you can read our we can read our podcast outline notes. I can't. Sorry. Well, I think I think we we got a late start, so we were going to keep it short. But be, being that we've uh, teased it already earlier in the podcast, I mean, I think let's just let's just do our little little personal wrap up. I mean, we're we're not going to okay. become John Wick action stars, but we're both gearing up for some action ourselves potentially. And that was, uh, I guess, I guess your New Year's resolution was to to run a half marathon. How how is that going on your end? Really good in the sense that. When I when I said that, when I kind of jokingly said that, I didn't. It was I was serious. When I said that in the beginning of the year, um, I was doing fives, <clears throat> and then uh, and then you were the one kind of urging, like, just I know you can do it. You know, you giving me some positive motivation. So I think it was last week I did seven. Yeah, last week. So I think I said that at the last week last week's episode that I was fucking out of energy. Seven miles killed me that day. Like I was dead. Um, I've now done the seven miles like two or three times since, and second, third time was a breeze. Um, I've had a somewhat interesting uh, weekend, and yesterday I needed to get the the energy out, and without even like thinking about it, I was like, I'm just gonna fucking do this, and I ran ten miles yesterday, came back home, and like I was for sure I was tired, but I was like. Like, I still feel like, okay, I know I've got more, like, even after doing 10, right? Um, so it's going rather swimmingly for me. Um, it is it is definitely a mind thing, um, running is. Um, there was There is physical elements, let's be clear. But, uh, like, when, I guess, when you have enough fuel, um, mentally, you have enough fuel, like, 10 miles is nothing. And I think uh, I'll be ready by... Whenever you and I uh, go to Flagstaff, I think I'll be ready to do the 13. You know, what about you? Oh fuck! Okay, is this <laughs> is this breaking breaking news? Is this officially on the table? Like, a, cause yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I know you threw it out, and I didn't. I probably didn't give you a good enough response the day you asked, and that was probably because I was so fucking dead tired that I wasn't like. I wasn't mentally there to give you a mental commitment, <laughs> okay. yes or no. I Got was it. like, not. Now yeah. that you did ten miles, you're like, oh yeah, now, now it's on. Now that I know I can do it. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it was. It. I couldn't give you an answer that day because I was just not mentally there. For, I, I wasn't mentally there to commit. I wasn't yeah, I mentally. Got you. I was just not. You know, and then. But yeah, it did help. It, I, I'll be honest. It, it did help that I knew I, that I did ten yesterday. I was like, okay, yeah, I can, I can probably do this thirteen mile shit. I do have hesitations, but. Fuck it. We'll deal with that when we. When well, we if get you there. ran ten miles, and this is what I was saying, I mean, if if someone can run six miles without stopping, they can probably do. Not probably. If they if they can run six miles without stopping, they can do a half marathon. If you can run ten miles, you definitely can. Um, it, a lot of people don't realize that there's 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 a spot where you can get to where it's it, it's it hurts, it's painful, it's not going to feel good. But you can just keep going for a really, really long time after that. You know, there, there is that that saying where runners will talk about getting their second win. Like that's a real thing. Before you get your second wind, it, it fucking hurts, and you want to stop, and you don't have to give anything left. And if you push through that, then you get to this part where your body's like, "Oh, we're still doing this. Okay, we're just gonna keep going." And I mean, I, I've been to parts where I I will get a second and then sometimes a third wind, and that one's even harder to come by. But we're we're built to have all kinds of reserves, and you can just fucking keep going. And sometimes it sucks, but 
a lot, like you said, like a lot of it is more mental than physical sometimes. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what made it. I think a, a couple other factors that made it kind of easy to do 10 uh, not easy. It was, it was a challenge for sure. Right. But I think some things, some factors that made it a little bit easier was that, um, number one, I did the run or I started the run a lot earlier in the morning than I normally do it. So it was a lot cooler. Whereas like when I was doing my fives, <clears throat> um, I would usually start about nine, 10 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so about, you know, 30, 45 minutes in, the sun was probably getting closer to its peak and it was a lot harder. So this, this run I did yesterday, I think I started like at seven. So it was a lot cooler. Um, that was one factor. And, uh, the second factor, I think, like I said, I kind of hinted at was that I had, I had enough of a eventful weekend that like I had all this pent up, like stuff. I just needed to physically let out. And so gotcha. with that, it, it it had enough where my mind was on enough. My mind was in the, enough on this other thing that it fueled me to kind of finish the ten without like, you know, without a, without a problem. I say it's easy, but I I know I know I was tired for sure. I was tired when I was done. Uh, so I actually did start training last week because I I said that and then I took a day and I was like, fuck, what if he actually takes me up on this because. <laughs> A lot of it is is mental, and I, I mean, I think if I if my goal was only goals to finish a half marathon, I, I pretty much until I'm too old and decrepit to walk, I'll be able to finish a half marathon because at some speed, whether it's walking or crawling, I could just keep going for 13.1 miles. But there's a difference between just finishing a half marathon and and actually running a race that you could be a little bit proud of. I mean, you know, I'm not talking about. Uh, you know, trying to oust the Kenyans for Olympic glory or anything, but, you know, at least being able to make it through it with a, with a decent run. So I'm like, fuck, like I better actually start running. Uh, so the first thing I did was just to see if I actually could run two miles without stopping. Um, because I've, I've been running on and off kind of through the fall, uh, but like in the fall, all the running I was doing, this is, this is how I had incentivized myself. There, there are grocery stores that are, there's one that's a mile away. There's one that's a half mile, uh, a mile and a half away. And I made a deal with myself. I'm like, okay, if I want to go get, have ice cream, I have to physically run and get it. So I would run a mile, go to the grocery store, get the ice cream, run a mile back and I'd run two miles or, and sometimes I do that with the, you know, a three mile run, but it was always a mile or a mile half at the time. And there would be that, you know, 10 or so minute pause in between where I was walking through the grocery store to go get the ice cream. So I never ran even two miles consecutively. And one of the big problems I have physically because of all the sports injuries and everything I've got is my my certain like muscles will fatigue way faster than they should and particularly like my left leg like i've got a big tear in my left quad and my my hips not quite attached the way it should be on the left side so my muscles have to do overtime just to kind of keep my leg pointed the way it should be so my left leg gets tired way way faster than it should so i was like fuck all right so i tried to run a half or two miles you know nonstop and i was like okay i can do that let me actually start doing marathon training fortunately i do i do have a little bit more in a background so i'm not just trying to run a bunch of miles consecutively that's gonna be a much longer road towards getting in shape for a marathon 
So I was doing a lot of running for X amount of time, walking for X amount of time, trying to trying to, to build that up. Uh, so I did six miles where I, where I would run four minutes, walk two minutes, run four minutes, walk two minutes, and I did that for six miles. Um, and then yes, yesterday it was uh, it, it was run four four miles, walk two miles, not two two miles. Sorry, four four minutes, walk two minutes. Except the spot I was going to go run, I did not realize you had to pay. It was like a, a Bear Creek what? State Park. It, it was a state park, and I did I didn't know that there was an entrance fee, and I was like, "Fuck that! I'm just gonna go to Green Mountain, which is close." But Green Mountain is on a fucking mountain, and it was all like hills and valleys and lots of climbing. And when I started, I was like, "Oh no, what am I doing?" And I also felt really tired and shitty. And all I had was my aura ring telling me, "Stop being a pussy. You can do it." And, uh, I, I was really surprised. I mean, I just tore through it. I did, I did four and a half miles, but it was lots of climbing. And I remember one of them where I was coming back down. Cause I, I just did it as an out and back, you know, I ran out and I retraced the exact path I came. And then, and as I was coming back, I'm like, did I really fucking just run up this thing? Holy shit. Cause it was a steep incline. Uh, and at the end of it, I mean, I was definitely tired. I mean, running up a, a, it must have probably is the one was yeah probably about a forty five degree incline and that'll tire you out but I was like I could have easily gone for another half hour, um, but is it is it and and it's is it is it paved or is it kind of gravel and loose rock and dirt and all that no, shit? it's it's dirt um, okay I I don't I don't run on I I I can't so when I was running to the grocery store that was paved but I I try to avoid running on pavement like that's just a very unforgiving surface. Our bodies have adapted to run on soft earth. Um, and we, you know, we try to compensate with running shoes and, and padding in our, in our footwear. But when you do that, it actually fucks up your stride a lot because one running shoes jack up your heel and we're not meant to run at that angle. And two, when you have thick padded running shoes. You, you can't really feel what the, the texture of the ground is like. You can't feel if it's hard. You can't feel if it's soft. You can't feel if you're stepping on pebbles or whatever. And that actually leads to you str- to stomping and kind of running uh, with, with uh, harder footfalls than, than you need to. And it's actually counterproductive. You're going to tire yourself out a lot faster. So um, I think maybe if you were running a race, you know, if, if – you're a professional racer. I would I would run in much more not minimalist shoes, but with thinner soles where you can still feel the the ground under you. And then yeah. maybe on race day you go with a higher padded shoe. Hey, can can we can we please 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 stop calling it a race? Because <laughs> I don't I don't oh, want no, no, no. to. Oh, to, 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 to be clear, let me let me let me reiterate this. This is not a race. I am yeah, not trying you. to race you. Thank my you. my thank my you. only goal is to for both of us to finish the race. Yeah. Okay. Not, thank I, you. Oh, sorry, Woo. not the race. To finish the half marathon. I don't. I do not want to have a race. I, I and I I really don't know if I will be able to straight through run thirteen point one miles. I may have to stop and walk at points. Yeah. I don't really give a shit. The, the goal is for both of us to finish yeah. and to finish at the same time. I'm not trying to go ahead of you. It, it, I'm, I'm, I'm literally worried about getting left behind. Well, here's, here's the one, here's the one thing. And that's when I, so when I asked you whether your, your, your steep hill run recently was on, on ground or pavement or whatever, for the most part, the 10 miles I ran yesterday was like on even pavement. Mm-hmm. So there isn't, there isn't like, there's some parts where it's just like padded dirt, 
and it's just but it's it's padded right it's just straight yeah um there's only a small section where it's like kind of like loose rock gravel and i can tell you for a fact that that's the one factor that kind of has me intimidated because the loose rock gravel like when your footing is not um even your those little micro movements your foot having to like catch balance whatever those do tire you out like they may seem insignificant but those do those little movements do tire you out a hell of a lot more and yes. I, and i don't i don't know <clears throat> this this run not race <laughs> This run. Sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll try to stop yeah, calling yeah. you race. Yeah, yeah, no, no, because because that scares me. That scares me. But anyway, that run we're gonna do in Flagstaff. I, I don't. We don't. You don't know. I don't know if it's on loose gravel ground or if it's on grass the entire way or if it's like a dirt path. I'm hoping it's just like a kind of even clean dirt path. Well, so we we can pick. I mean, there, there's a lot of different options. The one one of the ones I know I was looking at. It actually seemed like it would be several different surfaces. Ideally for me, if I could find it, it would be. A, a dirt trail where yeah. it's a little bit more packed earth. Gravel is just difficult to run on in general because yeah. it, it moves out from underneath you. Um, but I, I will I will tell you this. If you're not used to it, running on rock and, and where the ground's a little uneven will make you feel a lot more tired. But for me in particular, uh, once, once all those small stabilizing muscles get used to that uneven uh, ground, it, it's actually a lot better for me because one of the problems I have is if, if I'm taking repeated repetitive movements where it's it's the muscle falling in the exact same way every time, I, I will I'll tend to get sore and all the little aches and pains will get worse. But on trails where you're, you're stepping at kind of different angles, it's not the same exact stride over and over again. I actually have a lot less injury problems. You just have to really pay attention to where you're running yeah, uh, because – obviously if you step and you turn your ankle then that's not going to be real productive. Can I, can I give you one more? This actually might be helpful for you. It was something that was really helpful for me with distance running. There was a book that I just listened to. I listened to it, you know, as a, as a, I obviously they're not on tape anymore, but as, as an audio book and I was listening to it as I was running and it really changed my relationship with running. Cause for me, it always used to be how fast can I go? How fast can I, I have to push myself? I have to go faster. 50. Was it 50 shades of gray on audio? Was it 50 shades of gray? Oh, that's a good idea. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's not how fast it, it, it's, uh, you know, if, if I feel, if I feel, if I feel like I'm going too fast, I just have to give Mondo a little black leather whip and he just whips me in my back. It's like, Oh no, I'm being a bad boy. Okay. Um, God, fuck. You just don't give me opportunities to make it weird like that. I'm going to do it on my own enough. <laughs> I don't need your help. <laughs> no, it, it was a book called Born to Run. And it was, it was a really interesting book. There, there's sort of two parts of it. It's first, it's this uh, journalist. And I think he wrote for like Runner's World or something like that. And I remember it was like he was he was in Mexico to do... A story on something else and then he sees there's this ultra marathon these ultra marathons are like they're usually like 60 to even like 120 mile races and he sees the winner of this ultra marathon is like a 60 year old man and he doesn't he's wearing like like basically like a, a canvas blouse and he, he doesn't even have running shoes he's got like they're they're just like old like cut up tires that have been fashioned into sandals and he's like wait how the fuck did this guy when when an ultra marathon like this doesn't make sense and i think he i think there's a, he had a similar experience later where there there is the, the the leadville ultra marathon um and that's 
that's out in Leadville, Colorado. And I've, I mean, I've been to Leadville. It's cra- the altitude is crazy high. It's super cold. I mean, Leadville is is like twenty degrees colder than it is in Denver. Um, and the the trails there are just steep and they're treacherous. And the same thing, this fucking like sixty three year old guy, who you Mexi- Mexican guy, uh, wins. And I think at that point that it was a different a different guy, and, and he was wearing. Uh, running shoes. He didn't have the sandals, but he's like, How, what is going on? What's happening? And he finds out that both these, these guys were from this uh, Taro Umara tribe in the, from the Copper Canyons in Mexico. And they're like these super runners. Like they're, they're, I think their name, their actual name that they have for themselves was like the, it was like Ruramari or something like that. But it, I remember it meant it translated to the, the running people and they're just renowned for their their distance running ability. And he goes and investigates it. And he's there's this whole story that that unfolds about him going to investigate and finding out, trying to find out how they're doing this. And then, kind of parallel to that, it's it, there's an examination of like humans' history as runners and and our, what our abilities as, as running are. And it really one, it gave me some practical tips about how to change my running stride for distance, which was really helpful. And then two, it just changed the way I looked at distance running altogether. So I, that book was, is a fantastic book. I don't know how the fuck Joe Rogan hasn't had him on his podcast yet, but I, I really enjoyed it. And it was really enjoyable for me anyway, to listen to that as I was trying to run. And I remember when I started running, you know, I was I, at that point in my life, I had really bad shin splints and, uh, I, cause I, I don't know, I don't know if you knew this all the way through my junior year of college to graduating, I had terrible shin splints. It, every step I took, that's I what I was going to, that's what I was going to ask her. It was painful. That's what um, I was going to ask when you ran recently. Cause I know you had like, like, a like, uh, something with your hip that was Give, causing pain your entire like collegiate career mm-hmm. did how did how did your hip your body and your neck um react to the to the run like how did your your physical body react to these recent runs so so a couple of things i i things do get tired a little bit faster than they should and, and weird muscles like in, in, a, in an order that they shouldn't get tired but when i switched my footwear i never i've never gone like 100 percent completely minimalist minimalist but i've got uh, shoes that, that do just allow for a more natural stride. And once I started doing that, the shin splints pretty much went, uh, went away. Like my calves do get a lot tighter than they should naturally, but it's just not nearly as painful. One of the other things that has helped with my hip, it, part of the, the running technique that the, these uh, Tara Umara Indians use is they take much, much shorter strides than I was accustomed to taking. I, I always took very long strides. And the, the, the way they run is they actually, they don't reach out in front of them to, to land. They, they actually plant their foot right underneath them and then let gravity sort of pull them forwards. And that sort of running stride is much, much easier on your hips than the way I was running. It's actually easier on all your joints because instead of your joints taking the impact, your muscles take a lot more of the impact. That is not a, a, a running form I've been able to completely recapture. But man, I remember when uh, I started running like that and, and I listened to that book on tape, I was probably, I think I was in my late twenties at that point. Um, and it was amazing because I, I got through the shin splints, listening to that book on audio and, and running over the course of a summer. And I, I adapted a lot of those running techniques. And I did get to the point where 
I think I think the farthest I went was I ran 15 miles and it was just it was just one Sunday where I just had went went running way earlier than I normally did and I was like I'm just gonna keep running until I get tired and I got to the point where I'm like I fucking went 15 miles I'm not even tired now this is crazy and I thought I was gonna be really sore the next day and I felt fine um that's one thing about that's one thing about my runs I've never 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 been fast like I was surprised yesterday um I think about five or six miles of it I was rather impressed in myself that that every mile was about a 12 minute pace which which I thought was pretty good but it was for sure those last whatever two three miles was like more like a 14 15 minute pace like it was it was definitely slower but when I run I uh I feel like it's got to be fast. 15 minutes is is like a a brisk walk. I'm talking about I'm talking about the last whatever the last leg of the 10 okay. mile run. Um I think that's the I don't know. I don't know whatever whatever damn. I'm not fast by by any means. I think like my feet move kind of like the Fred Flintstone feet in the in the car like they probably move like twice as fast but I don't go that that the distance traveled isn't that far but my feet move rather fast but like I do run with a lot um, shallower steps. Like I'm not. I don't take big, long, wide strides. They're, well, and that's kinda... actually a lot. It's a lot better for for distance. Um, I, I I would really I'd, I'd grab that book on audio and just just listen to it when you're running. I or or driving or whatever. It, for me for me it really completely changed because I've I've always I used to be really fast. Um, and I love sprinting. I I mean I don't know if you remember this, but occasionally when we were walking across campus, I would just be like, oh, I feel really fast today. I'm just gonna run to wherever we're going. I would just leave in a dead sprint and for no reason just sprint across campus because it was fun for me. No, I've never, I, I've, I've unfortunately not been gifted with good physical attributes and I've always been rather on the slower end of things. So so distance is uh, something I, I like to do. Well, but, but reading that book or listening to that book rather, it, it gave me this, oh, well, how, how far can you go? Not how fast can you go? How Like, how can you enjoy like running doesn't have to be torture on your body it can be this sort of almost meditative like relaxing endeavor and it really changed the way I looked at running and the funny part though is when I got more relaxed and I really learned how to relax my hip girdle and just sort of let my legs swing beneath me and and a lot of these things that they were talking about in the book I actually did end up going a lot faster than I would have. I mean, the stride I was taking was never going to be optimal for speed, but I think I got, I mean, again, this is, I was much younger. I'm, I'm not, don't worry. I have no plans to go this fast when we're running, but I probably was doing about a seven and a half minute mile pace for like 15 miles. Um, Whoa. Right, right now. Uh, I, I, uh, cause I am using an app. I can, I can tell you the, the app that I'm using until I completely finish uh, writing my, my my training program, but the the app I'm using I think it's like called like uh, Couch. It's like C to three point one. It's like there's a really popular Couch to five K app, and it's just the the half marathon version of this. But I think even with the walking, I'm doing about a ten and a half minute mile pace. Your C are a lot faster than me because even at my fastest, I'm doing about uh, ten to eleven minutes, like my faster miles. But on average, they're closer to twelve. Mm. Um, That's but fine. again, yesterday, yesterday, my ten mile thing was the first time I've done ten miles in fucking ever, if I want to be honest. So, and the last, like the last mile was like fourteen or fifteen, something like that. I forget exactly. Well, and my goal isn't gonna be to go fast. It's gonna be to to try to run as much of this marathon 
half marathon as I can. So it, it you know, if I have to, it might be good for me to, to try to go a little bit slower, but yeah, no stress about that. I, like I said, I don't care how we're going to do it. Neither one of us is going to break the world record. Like that's fine. It's going to be to have like a cool experience and be like fucking like me and my buddy finished a half marathon. That's yeah. badass. Yeah, that's cool. I, it, it didn't, and what's funny is it didn't start off like me and Aaron were going to do it. It was just like Armando's New Year's resolution thing, and then Aaron was like, hey, I want to do it too. So it's kind of cool. It's turning into like a podcast um, event, and we'll hopefully be able to retell. You know what would be cool is, I, so here's one thing we didn't talk about. How long are we going to stay out there? And if we're going to stay out there long enough, maybe we can record a podcast while we're in Flagstaff. Oh, we, we 100% need to record one. Maybe gotcha. after we could do like a recap of, okay. of running it. Um, I, that that was something I was trying to figure out because one, I mean, I, this is a, me putting the cart before the horse. I was getting ahead of myself, but I was like, "Fuck!" Like that's a much longer drive for not a much longer, but it is a longer drive for me than it is for you. Um, and it would be really rough if I uh, I'm in the car a whole lot. I mean, my my legs and my hamstrings and everything gets super tight when I'm I'm driving long distances so i'm like i might need like a day just to be out there and try to like stretch out the best i can yeah and then and then run it afterwards but i mean i think all the logistics we can figure out yeah yeah Uh, i think it'd be nice to have a day just to sort of mentally and then also physically unwind and yeah for sure a day day or two on it (laughs) all that being said my parents gave me a a little bit of cash for my birthday and they're like spend this however you want if you need it on like some new computer part or you want to rent a house in Flagstaff with it, like there you go. So I might be able to even just cover the, the rental of the house. Um, cause, and that would be a, a, a little, little thank you to my, my folks. Yeah. We'll figure out the logistics. I may have to fly. So it might cost me a little bit more, but that's okay. Cause I, I have equipment and whatever. We'll talk about that off air. Okay. No worries. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, you know what? I'm, I'm happy to take that money going back to what we were talking about. Uh, also off air and I'll, I'm, I'm just gonna put myself I sometimes I, I do in my head keep keep uh, track of like oh like I did this much for other people they did this much for me and sometimes I because I, I'm still I'm still uh, living in this house with, with with my parents you know hoping to to sooner than later build a house on the same land and I know I would have never been able to get this, this house without them and I'm like fuck like I'm fucking a moocher and then I, and then I remember oh yeah I did also get them what's going to turn into a million dollar property, and I put in so much just free labor, uh, especially during COVID, and the house is already appraised appraised for a couple hundred thousand dollars more than uh, we bought it for. And I'm like, you know what? Like sometimes, sometimes someone can just do something nice for you. You don't have to count it like you're you're, you're checking off like a, a win loss column. So. We, we we might get a, a nicer place than we we bargained it on uh, thanks to to the birthday gift. Sweet. Hey hey, the Generous Clubhouse is going to be doing it in style in Flagstaff. That's all I'm saying. Maybe maybe not you know Playboy Mansion style, but like like um, hot tub time machine style. Uh oh, don't say that because I'm gonna I'm gonna bring some swim trunks now. Oh. That's the only other thing, Mondo. <laughs> Speaking of apparel, do you realize it might be kind of cold in Flagstaff in March? 
Yeah, yeah, I'll look at weather. I mean, I think I'm okay with running uh, in cold. I'm okay with running in cold, but, like, just my day-to-day, I suck at 70. Anything below 70 degrees, I'm horrible at. I have to, like, layer up. But yeah, I, we're I'm, talking I'm, about, like, it might be below 50, but uh, that's okay. It'll be fine. That's okay. I'll deal with it. I, I, I actually, I used to hate running in cold, and just once I learned how to layer correctly and I got used to it, I, I enjoy it now. Um and I even like running in snow. That's my my dog is built for snow. Sometimes he's a lazy little bitch when it comes to running just around the neighborhood normal. But if I get him on a trail when it's like fresh snow, he will go forever. He'll like he'll run and he might get a little bit tired and then he'll just shove his whole face and rub his body in the snow and he pops up and he's re-energized. And uh I mean I think I told you this, like we ran for like a couple miles literally in the footprints of a mountain lion, and that was a sick, sick uh experience so i don't know if we're gonna be able to run uh in the footsteps of some woodland creature in flagstaff but it's what's i'm saying it's just like everything else we've been talking about with running a lot of that is just mental more than is physical yeah i'm looking forward to it um i don't have much else to say sir do you have anything else to add on before we uh, uh finish this wonderful wonderful episode of degenerates clubhouse this has been the Degenerates Clubhouse or Ring. Fucking give us money, you assholes. <laughs> that was it. That was all I had. Oh, okay. Bye-bye, guys. See you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. Mondo here. I just want to take the time to say on behalf of myself and Aaron that we appreciate everyone who's taken the time to listen to our podcast. We know there's hundreds of thousands of podcasts to choose from, but you took some time out of your day to listen to us ramble on. Please share our podcast, like and subscribe, follow us on all our social media platforms and all that jazz. Whether you love us, hate us, agree with our opinions or disagree, we still love you.